Do I have what it takes to fix myself? We'll talk about it on this episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. Is everybody ready for the Mind Dog to make the show? Start the clock. And welcome, my friends, to yet another episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. I'm Matt Napo. Thanks for coming. It's great to have you here, as always. We're going to talk about fixing you, fixing me today. I woke up today with a, a severe case of the I suck blues. <laughs> really down on myself, feeling defeated, feeling uh, not inspired by life, feeling like I really, really need some fixing. I have to say I'm kind of skeptical on any solution that can help me unbreak myself or fix myself in any way. But uh, we have a, a, an author and a counselor here uh, today who can uh, maybe change my mind on that and give me a new perspective. And if you're feeling like I am, maybe you can get a new perspective here too and find uh, a way to out of the I suck blues <laughs> syndrome. Anyway, that's going to be our discussion today. Our show today is brought to you by audiobooksnow.com. Audiobooksnow.com. You know what they sell, don't you? I bet you can guess, unless you really suck. <laughs> audiobooks, of course, audiobooks. And you know about the convenience of audiobooks, and you also know that you can get audiobooks just about anywhere on the web right now. Well, uh, what's the what what's the deal with audiobooksnow.com? What sets them apart? Well, the answer is simple. Price point, price point, price point. Audiobooks Now Club Pricing Plan is simply the best deal on audiobooks you'll find anywhere. It offers the savings and flexibility not found anywhere else with their save on everything, discounts, rollovers, exclusive offers, loyalty program, incredible selection, and cancel anytime policy. It simply cannot be beat. Plus, get a free premium audiobook on select titles when you click the link that's in the description. Start a 30-day free trial right now. It's normally $4.99 a month. Uh, it's absolutely free to try for 30 days. If you're not happy at any time, you cancel and you won't be billed a penny great deal you can listen to a lot of books in 30 days folks uh with audiobooks now uh you save on every audiobook you purchase they do not use gimmicky credits to hide the true cost whether you want to save big through the club pricing plan or simply purchase at their everyday low prices they offer the largest selection of audiobooks anywhere you can download uh, or stream your audiobooks through the website or free apps and all the apps include in-app purchasing great deal hope you check it out Link is in the description, audiobooksnow.com. Do appreciate you patronizing all our sponsors. Now, um, Faust A. Ruggiero is professional career spans almost 40 years and is diversified and compelling as it is consistently established uh, new and exciting cutting-edge counseling programs in his pursuit of professional excellence and personal life enhancement. He's published. He's a, he is a published research author, clinical trainer, and a therapist who has worked in settings that have included clinics for deaf children, prisons, nursing homes, substance abuse centers, inpatient facilities, and as the president of the Community Psychological Center in Bangor, Pennsylvania, in that capacity, he has developed a process way of life counseling program and has developed into a formal text presented in the Fix Yourself Handbook fix myself handbook. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, please open your ears, open your minds, and help me welcome Faust Ruggiero to the Mind Dog TV podcast. Faust, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me on. That's a privilege. Uh, well, it's my privilege to have you, actually. And uh, as you probably heard in the... Uh, in the intro there, I really need I really need to talk to somebody like you today. It's uh, some days are worse than others, but I am I'm sometimes I I am really down on myself, and today is one of those days, and I am skeptical that I can be fixed. So uh, I'll change my mind, if you will. <laughs> you know what uh, I tell people all the time: everything you have, everything we need to change is already in there. But we're we're people who based the way we feel on everything from the outside, you know, what's going on outside us, that person, that trend, this thing in the country, you know, work, uh, relationships, relationships, whatever. We got to start looking inside, go inside and get the power you got inside. It's all there. We just stopped using it. That's all. Right. Well, um, okay. That sounds simple enough, but uh, 
I'm not even sure why, uh, you know, uh, and, and again, you, you're right about having a look inside, but there are so many things. And I don't think most of the stuff is, in my, in my particular case, feeling down and feeling like I'm not as successful as I want to be, not as happy as I want to be, not as healthy as I want to be. Um, I don't think uh, I'm blaming a lot of that on outside resources at the moment. I'm kind of looking at myself and saying, uh, and I, I'll tell you one thing is, uh, taking on this, I kind of went moved away from uh, a life that depended on a an income from an outside source to become self uh, dependent and a self employed doing the podcast stuff, and it worked out. And I'm, I'm making a living of it, but uh, it's uh, it more work than anybody could ever imagine it would be. And the idea that when we <laughs> when we when we become self employed we're gonna work less than we do in, in the corporate environment is a is a total fallacy and a myth. I'm working so much that I'm up to four in the morning every day and then by the time it comes around to eight AM or even seven thirty PM when I uh, AM when I get up, I've slept three hours, no REM sleep and I'm walking around like a zombie and I just really down on myself. So um, I'm not sure I'm looking at external sources, though. I'm, I know that the responsibility is all mine. I'm just not clear on a roadmap on how to get back to normal or some feeling of normal. Uh, can you relate to that? <laughs> yes, and it's exactly why I wrote the book and why I started the program. Because, uh, you know, I look at the self, self-help literature. I talk to other counselors, and they're all saying the same thing, and they're giving us great generalizations and wonderful acronyms and all this crap that uh, isn't usable. So I wanted to put something together that was practical and said, here, here is the roadmap. You start from maybe depressed and angry and confused and whatever, and let's take the journey and let's say, here, here are all the issues, 36 chapters worth of all different kinds of issues. Let's get the information for it. Let's say exactly what you have to do at the end of every chapter so you can get there. And, uh-huh. and I, that's what I wanted to do. I, you know, that's the way I counsel. When people come in, I don't, I don't do this you know, fluff and pat on the back stuff because it doesn't get anywhere. I say, okay, let's talk about where you are. Let's define all the issues and let's put the plan together. That's what I did in the book, 36 times over. Gotcha. So I, I was, I, to be honest, in, in confession time here, I have not read the book yet because I just found out about you probably less than two weeks ago and we booked you on the show and I have not had a chance to even read into the book. But in the synopsis of the book, seeing that it's a step-by-step, I was under the impression just from that line that it was a one-size-fits-all. But hearing what you just said, it's it's step-by-step for uh, for any particular uh, situation that you might find yourself in. So it's a lot of different, 36 different step-by-steps at the end exactly. of Exactly. You know, if you walk in my office and you say, you know, geez, I want, I want to counsel with you. Uh, I don't want you to come in every time you have a problem. I want to make help you make yourself strong so that whatever comes on, You've got the roadmap every time. You can refer it to what we're teaching, and here are the exact steps. And then if you forget, it's a you know, year down the road, and you say, I kind of slip back. You go right to that chapter. There are about three or four pages. Men love this. Three or four pages, and then it goes right to the steps. You get your refresher, and you get back on track. To me, that's the way you're supposed to do it. Wow. Um, so there are so many, and I'm glad because I think most of society, and, and we kind of trained uh, or, or conditioned uh, to to think this way, most of society, when we look at things, we want a one-size-fits-all solution to everything. And there are, we're all individuals. And so how did you come up with 36? Because that it seemed like there were more than 36 uh, psychology, psych, psychopathy, whatever it is, uh, in, in the world. What what I did, what, you know, after you go through all the the training and you get in the real world and see how much of it doesn't apply, I started to realize again that we everything's in there. We just got to define it and go get it. So I started to define it. And I'm talking about processes, just like getting honest with yourself, uh, slowing your emotions down. You know, you talked about. Uh, no sleep. When you get up with no sleep, it's not your brain that, that starts the day. It's your emotions, typically. So, oh, yeah. you know, so I, I'm telling people how not to stop being emotional, but to put that on the back burner so your, your intellect gets a chance to take things apart. 
and teaching people how to be good fact finders. So what they're, they're, they're emoting to or what they're working with with their brain are facts and moving forward from that point. Then we're throwing all the other stuff in there, like learning how to communicate and listen, learning how to set and defend boundaries, learning how not to be a people pleaser, learning how not to go with the, with the trend, get away from quick fixes. I mean, just basic good stuff. And if you teach people all those skills, you know, they get this toolbox that's full of stuff that's there for any time. So, you know, something happens and typically I might react and say, what in the world? And now I say, let me take a step back. Let me catch my breath here. Let me look at all the facts. Let me use those tools. I mean, you know, and and you just apply them one at a time to whatever comes up in your life. So there are actually 52 processes that I apply in 36 chapters, all various problems. And uh, and it, it's, it's just laid out that way. Start with a, a problem. Okay, here's all the facts about it, three or four pages. Now, do this. Do these things, and you're going to start changing. And you're not going to change it. It's not a quick fix. It's a life program. Any good program is. Uh, this fix yourself in 10 easy, uh, easy steps crap is, you know, you know where that goes. You know, so it's something that you, you, you should have every day for the rest of your life. Right. Well, um, you brought up, you started with a place which hit home to me, especially emotional uh, uh, reactions versus intellectual reactions. And being a person who is very um, introspective and looking at that has been my biggest um, bugaboo. <laughs> I'm using that word because I can't find the, the right word to use. Yeah. My biggest problem in life is, uh, and it's gotten better, but uh, coming from an emotional place and keeping my emotions in check, and when I when I let my emotions take over, my I get and I give the world the impression, I give myself the impression that I'm not as smart as I am. I become very stupid when I when my when I'm dealing in the realm of emotion, and it it is it, so counterproductive. Now I recognize that and put it in some degree of check, but not completely. And and you're right when I, when I'm waking up uh, with, without any REM sleep and three and a, the, my my even though I'm keeping trying to keep a sense of humor about how I. Uh, talk to myself about it my emotional reaction it's uh, my reaction is completely emotional uh so how do you how do you completely how do you cut that off that emotional reaction part is that a skill you can learn yes uh you know the first thing you do and i open the book with three or four chapters say start these things first uh you know the first thing i tell people to do is take your mind off autopilot the same thing over and over again because all we're doing is we're making mistakes over and over again we're following the crowd and that seems to be the way people like to do things but then i say you got to slow down anytime we're emotional if you look at it you're going fast your mind everything's going real fast you, you, we don't finish thoughts we don't look at information and we just react and of course since we're not looking at facts everything looks horrible so i just say slow down first because then we're going to teach you how to be fact finders. I mean, that's that's a huge part of this whole thing is being able to just focus on the facts. And you just uh, said one of the most important points. You get up, and you start talking to yourself. I do a whole chapter on language, just on how we talk to people, how we talk to us. You know, we train our brains to think in negative terms, then we're angry and we're intolerant and then we're jumping to conclusions because we've been training the brain. But the, the, there's the proof. If we trained it to go negative, if we change the internal language a little bit and start saying, well, I can do this. All right, let me slow down. Let me get the facts. Okay, now I think I got a plan. I can move forward. And we keep doing that. We will train our brain to do that. But it takes some time. Right. I've heard this message and I've and at some point in my uh, core, I believe it that about uh, the words we use, we hear our own words, we hear our own language, and we re react to our own language. So when I catch myself doing that, and I do it quite often, negative language towards myself that I hear, and I know it's detrimental to myself, I try to make it like so over the top that it's ridiculous and in a comedy bit, telling myself, try to make it soften the blow as much as I can and, and soften the uh, repercussion from talking bad to myself. But it's a habit that, uh, and I found myself doing it this morning and said that, said that quite off, uh, 
quite a few times to myself is like, uh, you know, saying you're a loser is not going to help you get out of, uh, of this feeling of being a loser. But uh, I again, I try to like make it so over the top ridiculous that I won't believe it. Uh, but how do I how do I stop myself from that from because it's a lo- 60 plus years of habit uh, at this point. <laughs> you just said the magic word. Stop. What I tell it's a two step process. You know, people always say I use humor or I start talking to myself positively, but they didn't stop the negative first. And as crazy as it sounds, and it is as simple as saying, no, I'm not going there. I am not doing that. I'm not putting myself down. I'm stopping the train right here. And this is what I'm going to put in instead. You know, it, I mean, it, you know, it's, you know it, it's like if you go out in the rain, you're getting wet. Well, if you want to dry yourself off, you got to get out of the rain first. Right. All right. So stop now. And I'm saying to myself, I am not doing this to myself. Now, this is what I'm going to do. You'd be surprised how powerful those statements are. Wow. Uh, does does the system require any kind of those uh, rituals, affirmations, all those kind of things that uh, make it feel new agey and, and it can be a turn off to people? <laughs> no, they don't. And, and, and that's those are the things I've been trying to get away from. Because those are the you know the the trendy things you know and uh, and do all these affirmations and all that kind of stuff um, you know you can throw one in but have all the right information first it's a practical plan you know giving an affirmation to something that requires a lot of work you might you know give yourself a little push but they at the, sh- the uh, shelf life is very sh- uh, short for those things you know you want something that's going to last a long time that you know and, and what i keep telling people is you're changing the way your brain works you're learning things and learning is a function of repetition over time that's the only right. way the brain learns so exactly. you got to keep on feeding it and feeding it over and over again an affirmation is great but it very rarely ever carries the the steps you know, the information that says, okay, now do it this way. You know, it says, you're a great guy. Now just keep on going forward. Well, what in the world does that even mean? You know? <laughs> yeah. And some of, some of them, um, well, I, I just think of one that some a group that I, I've been working with lately, they all uh, get involved in this daily affirmation. And part of it is uh, magical thinking. Uh, and, and that kind of, you know, it, it's nice. Again, I, I understand that, the words you're saying can have effect on on your psyche and your your attitude towards the day. So if you hear yourself saying these things, but when you say things like "as if by magic my world is going to uh, become better," uh, part of you is uh, also also knows that you're bullshitting a little in that, right? Yeah, we're not that stupid. The brain is very smart. You may you may get to part of the, the frontal cortex and it feels great, but that backside saying, "No way, it's not happening." Right. And, and so you're really sabotaging yourself as you move forward then. You know, and that's what I keep saying. It's a program that every day you're going to keep on doing it. Those affirmations don't do much unless – nothing. Nothing works unless there's a plan to support it. It's just common sense. It's right. the way the mind works. Um, so do, you you mentioned some of the things that, that we are uh, plagued with, depression, anxiety, all those kind of things. Now, depression is a clinical – uh, thing that, and I know the big thing is to prescribe medicine for it. They, you know, in psychology today, they uh, and they and, and most therapies they want to if they find somebody and they diagnose them as clinically depressed, the idea is to get them on uh, some kind of drugs. Oh, where where do you fall on that? Uh, can can what you teach and what's in the book um, circumvent the whole medical part of depression? Because that depression is a big one. Yeah, it can. It depends on if you're talking severe depression, uh, then, you know, we got to look at that. And I will always uh, involve doctors on that, not necessarily prescribe medication, but just to have them there. For me, where I fall in it is always a last resort. Let's work these things first and see if we can make some changes unless I see that the person might hurt themselves or someone else. Then obviously we're going to we're going to kind of get that out of the way first. And sometimes then medicine comes in as a short term measure. For some people, it's you're right. It's clinical. There's a chemical imbalance, and doesn't matter what we say. The chemical, the, the SSRIs are, are, are what's going to help. But that's all there is to it. But the, the concern I have is that we become such a society that goes there first, 
that we're not giving our brains to be trained a time to be trained any other way. Once I take the pill and I feel better, I'm not saying, well, now teach me some new skills because I feel better. And, you know, destination arrived. Uh, I would rather see people avoid that kind of stuff because I don't care what the medicine is after two or three or four years, it stops working efficiently. Now they up the dose or they add something to it or they take you out of it and you go through withdrawal and you start a whole new one. It's just a vicious circle. So if we can avoid that, that would be great. And uh, my people, we usually do. Right. Well, uh, I think my generation, and you're probably around the same age. It's I'm, I'm a little same. older than you, but we, we won't say that again. <laughs> yeah, no, no. But uh, the generation who grew up uh, believing in better living through chemistry, um, they've become addicted to things that that um, are not <laughs> doctor-prescribed chemistry. Now, uh, it does, and, and that can be a, you know... A, a demon to to battle on your own. Uh, does your book give any hope for or help towards that situation of alcoholism, drug use, dependency, and and all that kind of stuff? Can you do that? Can you fix yourself of those ailments? Yes, I, I do some chapters on uh, with um, addiction. I'm, I'm a certified addictions counselor, so certainly I'm going to put that in the picture. Uh, and 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 yeah, I talk about two types of. Uh, addiction. One is that is the, to the drugs and things like that. The other is things that we can get addicted to that we do, like anger, which, uh, you know, really can be an addictive kind of thing. So, yeah, I do. A, if you work this kind of a program, you really don't have a need for all those other things because you get up every day confident. You're, you're saying, all right, whatever comes along, I may struggle with it. I'm not going to say I'm, I'm making the world easy here, but I'm saying, you know, it, it, I can go out and I can deal with it. And usually I'm going to come back. OK, every now and then something's going to get me for a while. But for the most part, whatever comes along, not only can I be I, I can get through it, but I can feel good about it when I'm done. That's the key. You know, you want to it's that old, uh, you know, thrive kind of thing. Everybody's talking about today. Let's not just survive. We'll thrive. Well, let's be happy while we're doing this. And that's the other thing I teach. If you're going to do this kind of a program, don't make it drudgery. Don't make it a chore. Enjoy it. Enjoy the change that's going to ha happen for you because that's your growth and you'll, it'll keep on happening if you stick with it. Right. One of the things that, uh, speaking of addiction, that the 12-step the programs uh, teaches, and they teach a lot of different things, but one of the things they teach is people, places, and things. And so there are people in your life, you know, close relationships that sometimes – you can't just cut people out of you. I'm talking if it's your spouse or if it's your family, your parents, your your children, whoever it is. You're not going to cut those people out of your life, but they can be bad influences. My mom used to say, "You can't hang out with Joey anymore. He's a bad influence." Uh, but so, so uh, how do you how do you make those changes within yourself when you are? In a nuclear family that oh, I'm not going to divorce my spouse because I, I'm working on a problem, even though they may be contributing to that problem. Anyway, how, how do you reconcile that? It's a great question. I do two things. I have two chapters in the book, very, very close to each other, in fact, in the book. One is called gatekeeping, where you're going to, uh, when you can, decide who gets in and who get, who gets who doesn't get in and you don't take toxic people in and you don't take people that are going to sabotage you all those kind of people you kind of get those out of the picture now you're on to the next part what if i live with them what if it's mom what if it's dad my, my <laughs> brother my wife now we're talking about boundary setting and defense that's what we're talking about you know, the boundary setting is easy all right i don't want you to do this and i'm going to tell you and then of course the boundary thief comes along and says yeah right here i'm here now so then you're going to put the sanctions up and you're going to say, if you keep doing this, this is what will happen. And you got to be able to defend those. And you're going to run that through. Now, if the person gets to the point that they're really toxic and and uh, they and they're they're telling you, I'm not going to stop, then you have a decision to make. Then it may be I'm going to leave or and it doesn't have to be you're taking the person out of your life. It may maybe you relocate or you're going to see them less often and then you're going to put those boundaries in. There are ways to do all of it. Every situation's different, but there's always ways to fix this. The problem is when toxins come in, we get emotional. 
We right. start getting angry. That SOB did this to me. I told them about leaving the cap off the toothpaste a thousand times. You know, it's just, you know, and it's and, and often it's not the big thing they do. It's a hundred little ones, you know, and they, they just don't respect me. And, I, and so you get up and it's constant. There's ways to change all of it once you get your emotions out of the picture and get your head in and put a plan together. Even that one, it works. Well, you, you, you talked about uh, anger in there, and you, you just kind of uh, uh, brought it up again a little bit about that. Uh, I had had problems with temper tantrums uh, my whole life up until, and I'm not going to pronounce myself cured, but I haven't had one in probably 10 years, but I, they were severe, and they, it ruined my life, and it, it ruined the the people in my life who I cared about the most, it, it ruined my relationships with, with them to a huge degree. I mean, uh, everybody, uh, people walked on eggshells around me. People were afraid of, of my temper. And I don't know what happened 10 years ago, 12 years ago, that was the light that, that finally just dawned on me and how I made that change. If I could, I would bottle it. But, and again, I am a very introspective person and I think about this consistently. Is it possible just to grow out of a bad temper? <laughs> you know what? You're on the right track. What happens is, you know, you, you mentioned getting angry and you destroy those external relationships. The other thing you destroy, or and, and you feel it, particularly if you're introspective, you destroy the relationship with yourself. And, and then you start looking down at yourself and you're saying, there I go again. You know, it, maybe no one was around, but I just put the hammer through the window. You know, it, it, it's that kind. Of, so you start not liking yourself because of what you're doing. And then every now and then there's a, a little example where, you know what, I didn't. I didn't flip out on that one. I know I can do this, but it's almost like a, a bottoming out with yourself. You know, I, I got to start a new relationship with me. I got to stop doing this. Now the other people are liking it too. You get to a point where you really don't like yourself because after you have those anger outbursts, it's exhausting. Oh, it's, uh, you're it's, done. You're 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 blown away physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. You just lose it, and yeah. and then you have to have that recovery period. And then it's just like a, a drug, it's like any other drug. You know, you say if I start that again, I'm going to go through this recovery period all over again. I don't want to do this anymore. Right. And it occurred to me and, I, you know, I, I did not go the traditional route or through therapy or any of this stuff. It just happened to me. But it occurred to me at some point that most of my anger, most of my outbursts, my temper tantrums were based on fear. Uh, and I, it, it took me a while to realize this, that what am I really reacting to here? It, it's not uh, something I should really be angry over. So what is it that's really what is it that's really driving this rage? And it turns out that almost in, in almost every instance of it, I could find something that was presented in the situation that I was reacting to that made me fearful, either fearful of abandonment, fearful my wife was going to leave me, something like that, fearful, uh, uh, you know, you're going to, whatever, you're going to have a bad impression of me, you think I'm an idiot. Worst thing in my life is for other people to think I'm, um, I'm not smart, not intelligent. That, to me, is like the same as shooting me. So if I get the impression that somebody is, is uh thinking I'm, I'm an idiot, that would trigger my anger and make me an idiot, right? Uh, so, and, and, but a lot, almost all of it was based in fear. Was I, was I correct in that? Because I, I didn't go to, as I mentioned, I didn't go to any therapy or any of that. It just kind of dawned on me that some, I'm afraid of stuff. <laughs> in those statements, you just hit the guts, the center of why I wrote the book. If we can alleviate all those insecurities, all that negativity, all that weakness, we don't really need to be emotional and angry. So what I'm trying to do with people is get them strong on the inside. Okay, all the, you know, get honest with yourself, I tell people, you know. And I don't mean just, you know, gee, was I wrong on that? No, go deep. Go deep inside till it starts getting a little uncomfortable. Right. And, and, and then you're going to find your honesty. I always talk, talk about like peeling an onion, you know. Get the paper off. It's nothing. That is your first level of honesty, and we all do it. Now get down to the, the levels below, those layers where your eyes burn and it tastes horrible You before you even put the onion in your mouth. That's honesty. When right. you get there and there are no defenses and no lies and denial and rationalizations, 
Now you're starting to work with you. Those are the first steps. You get that going and you start getting strong. When you can face yourself, there isn't a, a need for anger because whatever comes along, you can look out and say, I know what that is. I know. I can feel it. I can feel that little anger coming. I know where it's coming from. I'm not going there. But we got to get strong on the inside so that we are more secure people. Then we're not reacting. I've had many people who go, uh, build themselves as mindfulness coaches on, on the program. And uh, not to degrade any of my guests, I love them. I, I appreciate their time here. But I have a big problem with the, the concept of mindfulness. And one of the ways they always, because uh, every single one of them I've asked about this temper issue, because it has been a, a thing in my life. And not only just me, but generationally throughout my family, I see it. It, it, it went from my father to me, my brother, my nephew, my son. It's, and so it's an important issue to me. And when I ask them about it, they always start with this count to 10 stuff. And I was like, you know how ridiculous that sounds? Because that moment when you flip that switch between normal mat and rage mat is a, a lightning strike sliver. You don't have time to think, think oh, I need to count to 10, you're already in that rage mode and there's no way to go come back until the rage has expired itself or has, has worked itself out. So that to me, mindfulness is, and I appreciate the intent behind it, but I don't think it, it, it makes much sense. What, where do you fall on that? It rarely ever works. I, first of all, I never, ever use that concept. Um, and I'm, I'm nothing against these folks. I know they're trying to do well, but there requires a whole lot of training to do what we're doing and experience and all the various uh, uh, places we get our experience from. You know, what is what is mindfulness doing and what is count to 10? We are treating a symptom again. When you get angry, do this. Well, we're back to what you said before. What is causing the anger? Right. If right. we never get that out of the way, we will continue to be angry. So what are we going to do? Count to 10 for the rest of our lives? There's got to be a point where the counting stops. So, you know, the, the mindfulness stuff, the um, all these little approaches are like taking the pill. Okay, now you're not taking the drug, but you're taking this quick fix That'll help you, you think when it comes along, assuming you have enough presence of mind to do that. And that really never happens once you're angry. You know, right. so I, again, I'm back to what I'm teaching. Get to the causes of all this. Be strong inside so you don't need these little games to move forward. Uh, good stuff, good stuff. Uh, we're at the half hour mark, which is usually where I like to kind of uh, promote my guests' uh, work. The uh, book, well, first of all, the website is www.faustrogerio.com. It's all uh, written in the uh, scroll that's going across. The link is in the description to make it nice and easy for people on the podcast. And the book cover looks something like this. Uh, that's the Kindle and the, and the uh, hardcover book. And you can get them directly from uh, Faust's website. And I hope you will check them out. Now, um, stories we and lies we tell ourselves. Um, my whole life, and my brother, we uh, and everybody in my family who's on on that side of the family has told ourselves this lie uh, and, and a story that, until I recently, I just I, I it, it wasn't a lie to me. It was very real, and for me, I measured my whole life against uh, my father and thinking that I was a, a carbon copy of my father. And, and it wasn't until I did a real, let's get down to specifics. In what ways are you like your father? In what ways are you not like your father? That I realized that I was lying to myself for the last 60 plus years. Um, how do I, how do, I mean, that happened by accident for me. I didn't, again, no therapy here. And so by the grace of God, I guess, I found some some things that that put on a light, but uh, it, with regular with, with regular people, normal people, not me. Uh, when those, how do we identify those lies? Those stories we tell ourselves that are just not based in in anything reality, but we bought into them, and they are negative and negative influences in our life. Questions. That's what I've always done. You know, people will say that like, I'm just like my father. I'll say, stop. Tell me how. And we'll go into that. And they'll start with the first layer. So take that onion. We'll go to the first layer. Well, he was angry and I'm angry. Well, I said, so you do one thing like he does. Let's tear it all apart. Let me ask you some questions and we go deep. Then the person starts to say, well, yeah, my mother was like that too. Or I don't know anyone 
because you are an individual. You're going to you're going to take that those genetics and you're going to experience what uh, the environment brings and it's going to create some things for you. So are we going to have some elements of ourselves like our parents? Yeah. But the other part of it is, you know, it, for adopted kids, when we take them away from their parents, they'll say they're like their adopted parents. Right. Well, so, you, you definitely pick up some, some environment. Traits, but that doesn't mean you are them. That's, uh, that's the key statement. I'm not my dad. I'm not my mom. I am me. And, and, and I, and that's the other, the next thing I have them do. I say, okay, fine. Let's just talk about you. How about if we stop, push, we put that over here. Let's just talk about you and how you do things. You know, you, you saw him throw the hammer. Okay. You threw it just like he did. Okay. <laughs> but that doesn't mean you're, you're your dad. You, you, you modeled some things. We model behavior. That was, that's exactly my thing. I, and I went through this, and I, I hope this is helpful for somebody out there who might be going through the same thing. I mean, if we bought into it to the point where uh, myths, my, my father was one of 17 children, 17 children, 14 males, three, three females. All the males, all 14 of them died at 54 years old. All from, from what, either from natural causes, accidents, whatever, suicide, whatever. 14 of them died at 54. My brother and I both had this idea that, well, that's it. We're going to be dead at 54. That's our number. And so didn't plan on living beyond that. But uh, it took me a while to actually come down to those questions saying, yo, the temper is something I got from my father, but I had to compare what else in other ways. And uh, I realized he was an alcoholic. I'm not an alcoholic. He smoked cigarettes. I don't smoke cigarettes. He was a compulsive gambler. That's not me. Uh, and all of a sudden, I said, you know what? I've been lying to myself. I'm not my father. I have All I got was his temper, and I look a lot like him. <laughs> but other than that, uh, we have, you know, uh, he, he, at 50, he never uh, did anything physical, uh, you know, physical exercise-wise. I Bench pressed uh, 405 pounds on, on my 60th birthday. So uh, <laughs> it's just like, you know, that's not my fault. And it took me all all that time to realize I've been lying to myself all this time, thinking that I was destined to be like him. And that belief led me to behaviors, more behaviors like him than I, I would want to do. So it was just realizing that, that I had been dishonest with myself. Um, but it's not easy. It's not easy coming to that realization. It, uh, at some point, you, either you're lucky enough to realize it or you get help at finding that direction. Um, but it's, just, it's just, you know, and I hope that helps some people who might be going, but the, the throwing the hammer thing, uh, I don't know if you were in my house. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, well, I've met somebody. I've met them. Let me. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, uh, part of a uh, part of um, the whole thing is uh, doubting that you know, doubting in the system. Doubt, and, and so people who go for help in in anything, they start out with the best of intention, therapy or whatever. But when they don't see results. Or when we don't see results, and I don't see results immediately, or even two weeks, three weeks, we, you know, patience is a big thing in make in letting any kind of self help program work. Yes, yeah, absolutely. You know, and uh, and people yeah are, are impatient; they want that quick fix. But the practitioners, the us on this side of the desk, we have to be better at letting people know that again. The, the strength is there. All the stuff is there. And we have to teach them how to measure the change. That's what we don't do well. You know, right. we, we leave that up to them. Well, how are you doing? Well, are you seeing changes? That's fine. But we have to teach people how to measure change. If you're talking about that anger thing, I said, okay, let's look at, let's measure, let's see where you are, where you were, where you want to go. And so that people walk out, they have an actual measure of the change, not once you, the change they're measuring is, you know, I'm at one. I want to get to 10. Am I at nine? Well, no, this thing's not working. Well, no, we got to let them know what that two is all about and, and how that's going to lead to the nine. And if we're better at that, people get better at managing their lives. And that's, again, another concept. How do we manage our lives? We have to be understand where we are in that moment.
Right. And the flip side of that is the people who pronounce themselves cured. Uh, I'm at step 10 and it's it's week one. I, I'm only two days in. I went home last night on a high because I think I found uh, uh, some answers to my problems. And all of a sudden I'm going to pronounce myself cured. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. And so the, that's the flip side of it. We either jump, we're either uh, don't have patience or we jump to conclusions that everything is going to be fine now. And I don't have any more work to do. Uh, Dr. Rosario gave me the number. The, the, answer to all my problems and i'm I'm that good you know one session i just crank them out you know (laughs) it doesn't work that way you know but again what we want to do is teach people to be happy with the program and keep on working it every day of their lives and i always tell people are you worth it do you think you're worth the time every day to put in for yourself Here's the tools, Go, if, if, and, and, and I'll tell you just how to use them. If you're willing to get up and say, every day I want to do a little work on this, I want to tweak this just a little bit, you're going to be fine. What if the answer to that question is, no, I'm not worth it? Then we're going to explore why. See, that, that's why I, I, I go back to the question. Do you really believe that? Well, that's, and sometimes they, they, they've been abused. They've been hurt. They've been uh, you know, for years they've been put down and they come to believe it. So then I'm going to start going into those things. And then my rapport with that person is going to start to help carry them through that. But once they look at it and see, all right, it's not me that isn't worth it. On my timeline, I got all these things that were there that, you know, little anchors that keep drawing me down. I'm just going to go snip all the lines in the meantime and you're going to float, but you still got to learn how to swim. Yeah. Part uh and I don't I'm I hope I am articulating this correctly. A part of our culture self-diagnosis uh we can <laughs> and I think that's a big problem. We can diagnose ourselves as bipolar just because we've had a simple change of mood or or something like that. And so I think I'm one of these people who recognizes that I can be moody. And so I I I described my feeling of this morning waking up feeling down on myself, but there are times where I feel like elated and I feel like I'm on a road or path that I have been searching for my whole life. And that, that is um, a, a path towards alleviating what was making me unhappy. It's not necessarily uh, I'm happy all the time, but I realize um, that what I thought w- was was going to make me happy wasn't making me happy, and I cut it out of my life and started doing the things that I really thought would make me happy. Now, I'm trying to segue this to because we've been talking about personal development, and I know what part of this is professional development as well. My theory on this, and I know this is a long way to get to a question, and I apologize for this, but I'm, I'm struggling here. My theory on this, and something I totally believe in, is most people who are walking around unhappy today are walking around unhappy because they are not they're not connected to their purpose in life. They don't, they don't feel like what they're doing. I feel like I'm punching a clock in my life and I'm, I'm whatever it is. And career wise, I'm talking about, I feel like I'm, it's not connecting with my purpose. And so I, my mantra has been it. Once you connect with your purpose, life will get a lot better. And so when I started doing this podcast, which I feel like is really something that I'm drawn to. It's something I should have been doing for the last 35 years, which is a whole other story why I got uh, sidetracked from radio and all that stuff. But I do feel like, and, and people who know me say that there have been some dramatic changes in my attitude, my personality, since I kind of reconnected with my purpose. So the question really that I'm coming to is, as we develop our per- personality uh, on our, our personal side, will that necessarily translate to our professional side, or is that a whole other area we need to work on as a separate issue? Great question. Uh, you know, you're back to that connection with self, so to speak. If I can get my, you know, what got you back into the booth? Well, probably you worked on so many things and you reconnected with you and you got yourself internally where you wanted to go. So now you feel the strength to say, I'm going to make that move. And like you say, and I know that I'm in private practice, I'm doing this book, I'm, you know, promoting this thing. So, you know, 12 hour days are little days for me at this point, you know, but you get strong on the inside. So you reconnect with yourself. That will define your purpose. It has to. 
everything in or is in order in here so everything from out there so to speak comes in and it goes to an ordered human being that knows what to do with it you will then find your purpose then that'll be a multi-purpose one is my purpose for me personally which then embraces everything else so now my business purpose or my relationship purpose or whatever it is those are all attacked with a whole different uh, level of strength and that's what we're looking for right so my premise here is that as we develop this uh, fix yourself type type of uh, approach in our personal lives, I think it will naturally translate at some point over time, not immediately, to our professional lives. Can it work the other way? Can we start working on our professional life and 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 end up being happier and more fulfilled in our personal life? People love to say yes, but I will almost. 100%, I will say the people that did that were already strong first on the inside. Right. That's just the way it is. It works that way. I, you know, how many people do you, you know that have great careers and they make a lot of money and they, they uh, new business here and new business there, and then they just feel worthless on the, you know, they come home and they're drinking or their relationships are gone because they never got strong on the inside. The outside rarely comes in and strengthens the inside. The inside does that first. Right. So that's what I'm promoting. If you do this, anything you do is going to feel better. And it, since you're stronger, it opens up all these new options. And you feel like something that maybe I might not have done that. Well, I'll take it. What, what's the worst that can happen? I'm going to go try that one. It, it's that type of attitude. Or it's the one that says, not only can I do it, I, I'm, I'm strong enough to know I can put together a plan to make that happen. Right. All on the inside. we got to get strong here first. And it's not rocket science it's just a plan follow the plan you get there everyone does i like that um part of the thing so there are things i know are self-defeating or unproductive uh, for me personally and i still fall back into them no matter how well i know them and how well i how how deeply i believe in them and one of those things and you kind of alluded to it earlier is comparison comparing ourselves to people external people you know looking at their lives and saying well i'm doing the same thing he he's doing why was he so much more successful than i am and uh that's a self-defeating practice and i know it's a self-defeating practice i should be concentrating on myself doing the best job i can do adding as much value to people's lives as i can and worry just about me i know that but i still fall into these ideas of when i see somebody who's like knocking it dead and and, and doing in the same field that i am i have this tendency to say oh why why him and not me why what and beat myself over up over it how do you kind of bridge that gap between knowing what you're doing is self-productive uh, self-destructive or non-productive and and actually living it <laughs> i do two chapters in the book that address exactly that the one is on envy <clears throat> and i always and you know the the theme of that chapter is you can't fix your world by trying to fix something out there that, that that's not your world stop looking at that guy that's his statement he did whatever he did to get there you want to keep focusing on the inside the second chapter i talk about creativity we all have it but we think somehow the other guy he's he did so much better or look at that guy's making millions or he's on the tv or whatever that, that that's creativity that's creativity at a different level because they worked all the steps to get there. You got to become creative in your in your mind. That's when all the little things learn how to become a creative person in everything you do. Have that positive energy going into everything you do. It will it will roadmap your creativity. And then you again being strong, you will find something you will have a passion for. You will use that creativity and you will develop that and you'll be that guy that you're envying. Is luck a self-defeating belief system? I think so. Uh, things happen, you know, and that that perfect timing crap. And I, I you know, I, I don't, I don't believe in any of that. You create the perfect timing. You do everything you have to do, and then all of a sudden, it all falls in together. Um, you know, so luck. If you want, you know, play the lottery. If that's what you want to do, uh, luck is not going to be part of this because it's nothing you can control. That that's the, another theme of this thing. Be able to control your own life. 
and, mm. and luck and hoping this is going to fall in or depending on someone else. They're fragile ways to live. Be able to get up every day and say, then I don't need that luck. I know, I know what I'm doing and I'm going to grab that. Yeah, part of me, and this is where the duality within myself comes in. There's part of me that agrees with everything you said, 100, just said 100%. And then there's the part of me that people who don't recognize good fortune and breaks that went their way can lack gratitude and then become cold and jaded to the world and think well look at me i've had success i didn't need luck in any of that stuff i don't need any breaks and i i agree that that can be an empowering uh mindset but it also can can make your heart cold and your mind cold to people who who need um some encouragement, some uh, any kind of lift up type of thing, and we can tend to look down on people who are less fortunate than ourselves and say, "Well, you know, they just don't have it together." And so I'm torn between those two ideas: what you said about luck and the the relationship to gratitude and understanding that you should be grateful for every good piece of good fortune that has come your way in your life. How do I reconcile that? <laughs> you know, you're, you're giving me plug after plug here. I do a chapter on gratitude. Okay. And I, I talk about gratitude as not being some external thing. I, that happens. So I'm grateful for it. I'm talking about it coming from the inside. So you're grateful for every, everything that's going on in your life. And how do you get there? Humility. So while you're empowering yourself, you're also keeping it green. You're also keeping it humble. Uh, and, and and what that does is it keeps you a student. It keeps you learning. And then as you keep on learning, that's where the wisdom comes from. Wisdom can't exist without humility. We, arrogance it, it exists without it. Wisdom has a, a, a humility factor. And if you keep the, the gratitude in, internal, it wraps around everything that you're doing. You're staying humble. You keep on learning. You get wiser, but you know what to do with the information. That, that old adage that says uh, knowledge is power is garbage. Knowledge and the proper application of knowledge is power. Right. And that it, requires humility, gratitude, and wisdom. Was that a, uh original quote? Uh, <laughs> gratitude can't, uh, can't uh, exist without humility? Because I, I think that... <laughs> that's mine, yeah. That, that's the way, that's, that's what I, I put together. You know, as I've dealt with people, you see it all the time. The arrogance causes a destination and they say, I'm done. Well, I'm, I got it. Thanks, Doc. I'll see you. You know, and and then a year later, someone in the family is calling back. The I'm gonna kill this guy. You know, uh, you can now now it, he still has all the same old things, but he thinks he knows everything <laughs> too. So you know, you, you keep it humble. You know, I teach this for a living, but as I'm teaching, I'm constantly learning and redoing a few things, not only for other people, but in myself. So as you teach, you continue to learn. You continue to be a student of life. Right. Uh, I, I love that quote. And it's almost one of the ones I need to kind of uh, remind myself of daily. Um, and so the, I, I, the, the belief in gratitude is an important thing in my life. And I try to cultivate it as much as I can. Uh, are there any specific like exercises we can do to increase our gratitude in, in, in our attitude of gratitude. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Break your life down to everything that's happening and 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 the little things. You know, um, we take a lot for granted because, particularly in this country, we have a lot. So you know, we don't take a um, going to to the kitchen and, and getting a glass of water. We don't think that's anything to be grateful for. Well, right. Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all those very little things. If you if you break your day down into all those really really little things, and then you realize that other people don't have them, be grateful for every one of those things. For, for the ability to amb- get up and walk around your house. To, you know, if some people can't. You know, every little thing. And if you can break it down, you're probably if you if you can do it, you'd have thousands every day. And re- and and when you get to realize that every little thing is much, much bigger than our mind processes it because we normalize it. It's there every day, and it just gets put into the format. If we break it down, that's the way we find that gratitude. And, man, look at all the things that happened to me today. And I was able to do these things. That's where that's where the real gratitude comes from, not from the new car or the, the vacation or I hit the lottery. That's Those are exciting, wonderful things, but that's not gratitude. <laughs> 
I agree. I completely agree. And it's something I, I practice every day. And again, come in, it's always all about me, folks. Um, <laughs> this morning, waking up with that self-defeatist attitude, that's what got me at least to be able to come into the studio and do the show today was reminding myself, you, gotta, you know, you, you got it made. Most people go into work every day to a job they hate. You're coming to do something you really enjoy. And... You get the bonus of adding value to people's lives. People who listen to the program, this, the the, peop, the guests I have on, enrich the lives of people. And I said, well, that's something. That's tremendous stuff to be grateful for. Not everybody has that. Most people are dreading every morning when they wake up. And so that talk with myself is what got me out of that funk this morning. And I think about things, very small things like a, like clean water. There are half, I don't know, half, one third of the earth uh, has a population which struggles to find clean drinking water and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, little things mean a lot in gratitude. Uh, you, earlier you mentioned people pleaser. And, again, it's all about me. Um, I have this issue with, and this is what leads to my self-defeatism in a lot of ways when I don't get enough done for other people and people make requests of me all the time for things and I'm thrilled to do them. It's almost like uh, uh, it's an opportunity for me to be helpful and that's what I love that that feeling of be, feeling like I've helped somebody and, and done something for it. But it gets to the point where I take on too much and say yes to too many things and then if I don't, get it done on a timeline i beat myself up over it is that a common common thing is that what you mean by people pleasing yeah that's exactly what it is and then the people around you expect that of you so they don't mind continuing to ask and, and you know my rule of thumb being a professional helper if you will is to look at, at those folks and say well can you do this you probably can do this for yourself because i'm not helping them when I'm doing things they can do, then I'm actually taking some of their power away. I'm, I'm, I'm making them less productive and efficient than they can be. So I look at who needs the help. I'm glad to do that. And the other folks, I'll say, well, you know, not sure I'm going to have the time right now. You give it a try. If, if, if you can't, then I'll be glad to come over and help you later. I just slow the train down a little bit so I don't jump right in there and go. And right. then I start learning how to differentiate who does need it and, and how I should help. Interesting stuff. How long has the book been out? Book's been out uh, about 15, 16 months. Okay. Uh, so you had uh, had to have had some um, testimonials and people uh, who, who've read the book and, and commented on uh, the significant changes that they've made in their life. What is the most rewarding thing about having the book out there for you personally that, that's come back to you? Where, 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 where do you derive your... Uh, sense of uh, accomplishment from with uh, regards to the book specifically and, and it's just what you said that people are getting back to me and saying wow this is working and and what it really did is put me in a position where I had the plan finally someone said here are all the steps they all told me to love myself nobody told me how uh, they told me to forgive myself no one told me how that's all in that book and and the steps are all there and you're making a difference and you know if I make a difference with one, it was a great day. You know, that's the way I look at it. But, uh, you know, I'm getting a lot of feedback like that, that, you know, this finally there's a plan kind of thing, which really feels good because that's what I wanted. Wow. Uh, you just said one more word that I have to kind of uh, pursue now, forgiveness. Uh, and self-forgiveness is, is hard, but forgiveness for others is also important. And I think, and I, I could be wrong on this, but I think the idea behind forgiveness is not, to let somebody off the hook, but carrying around whatever you're angry at, at a given person for is detrimental to you, which is the reason we should forgive people. But it's a hard thing to do. Somebody brought up that concept just last week, and we were talking about uh, people who are born evil or, or the concept of evil. Can you be born evil or is it environmentally? And Hitler came up, and they made a case that made it sound like I should forgive Hitler. And I said, I don't want to forgive Hitler. I want to start. I want to stay angry at Hitler. And the person said to me, Well, all you're doing is hurting yourself. He's dead. You're not gonna. You, there's nothing you can do to hurt Hitler at at this point. What you're doing by by walking around staying angry at him is just is poisoning yourself and hurting yourself uh, your comments on that back to the same theme 
learn how to forgive you first because you can't forgive the other guy until you forgive yourself. You're going to carry that stuff around and it's you no know, fine. I'll let him off the hook, but I won't let me off the hook. No, you'll come, you'll bring that back in and you'll have a hard time letting go. Look at anything you think you have to forgive yourself for. That's what I write in the book. And then once you learn how to do that and the steps are there, it's easy to apply them out there. And you're right. Then you don't carry that negative energy around. That's the key. Right. Beautiful way to, uh, to sum up uh, the, uh, the conversation here. I, I like that because uh, I think I, you know, I spent a lot of time on this idea of forgiveness. Self-forgiveness is, is, you know, it's a difficult thing to, to do, but I think it's an important thing to do. It's part of our life. Uh, anything that I, that you can think of that I forgot to kind of address in this hour. No, you've been very thorough. I would just always, as I always close, I tell people you've got it all inside there. Don't, don't worry that you can't do it. You can, anyone can, just get a plan to go inside and find all those things that you already have. Learn how to develop them. Stick with the process. Stick with your plan. Love yourself enough, if you will, so to speak, to continue doing that because you are worth it. All of us are. And then you become a person who, in the end, knows what you're doing. You feel comfortable and you know how to help somebody else get to that level, too. Well, I have to say I feel better than I did when we started this conversation. <laughs> I don't, I'm not pronouncing myself cured or, or, or ready to move on to the next step yet, but I do feel I I am much in a much better state of mind than we started this conversation. Once again, the book is called The Fix Yourself Handbook. It's by Faust Rogerio. It's at www.faustrogerio.com. I hope you will check it out. I am going to check it out. we got some comments in the uh, chat rooms that many people are saying, I'm going to check out the book. So, um, maybe we've, we've done some good here today. I hope we have. And I hope I, so. I, I thank you for your time and, and your insights here today. It's been most helpful for me personally. And I, I wish you great success uh, moving forward. And I'd like to open the door to you anytime you want to have anything you'd like to share with my audience, anything at all, you, please come back. And that would sound great. You want me back anytime, give me a, give me a yell and we'll go. Great. It's been a pleasure again on my end. So God bless. Thank you, Foss. Have a great day and bye for now. Fast Rosario, folks. Uh, and the, again, the, the links are in the description. I hope you will check out the book. Hope you got something out of this program today. Again, uh, no bullshit here, man. I feel I I feel like um, a different person than I was an hour ago. And that that's I'm not like uh, having a ir- <laughs> A, a just a reaction to the, this conversation. I feel like I've been enlightened and at least uh, strengthened in some of the positive belief systems that I have and have some clue as to how to deal with some of the negative thought patterns that I have. And that's all I could hope for for, for an hour conversation like this. I want to get the book and, and look up the specific things that haunt me and look at what the steps are and see how I can apply them to myself. Again, the biggest takeaway for me here is the self-honesty. And he's right. It's it's a deep self-honesty. We can all be, I can look in the mirror and say, I'm bald. That's being honest. But <laughs> unless I look deep within my soul at the honesty of who I really am, I'm not really doing any positive work there. So I'd love to hear your comments. Info at MindDogTV.com. Info at MindDogTV.com. Let me just quickly check on what we have in store for 8 p.m. tonight. Uh, Elliot Mason will be with another author, uh, fictional author. So uh, that will be the program at 8 p.m. tonight. Till then, I'm Matt Napo for the MindDog TV podcast. Thanks for joining me. Have a great rest of your day. Bye for now.
to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now.